God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Finally getting comfortable with being here in this scenario, you know, we're just talking in the back, no matter how well you know how to do the mass, what you can do is change one or two little dynamics and everything gets fouled up. So I was feeling really comfortable this morning. I'm finally settling in and getting used to the space and doing liturgy in this space. And then I went ahead and inserted the, the petition for the intercessions of our blessed patron Benedict, which for those of you who don't know, was my former parish. Um, you don't have to do that when the parish is named St. Peter's. And as Peter and Paul had mentioned prior to that, you say, it's taken me all this time. I still haven't gotten that little quirk worked out. So please be, uh, uh, humor me, I guess. Tolerate me, if you will. Here's the other side of it. Our, our offices come from the rule of St. Benedict, so it could be argued, too. He's <laughs> our patron. So in any case, just... Just humor me and, and put up with my ways, and I'll get it together one of these days. <laughs> there is an Orthodox writer, Metropolitan Herotheus Vlachos, which has written a book that's well known. It's called Orthodox Psychotherapy, the Science of the Fathers. The first time I heard of this title, I was really excited, because I thought, this is going to be a, a priest who's going to tell me some of the techniques of counseling parishioners. So, I, I, of course, I had to read the book for the St. Stephen's course, but I, I got the book and read through it, and I was shocked. I mean, it took me about half the book to figure out this guy was not talking about counseling techniques. He was talking about spiritual direction and the healing of the human soul. In fact, if you read his, all of his books, in almost every one of them, he mentions the spiritual life as being an avenue for the healing of the human soul. So when he talks about orthodox psychotherapy, that is the treatment of the soul, he means moving toward the healing of the human soul. That was revolutionary to me. But what I found is that most orthodox writers today um, who write on the spiritual life include that dynamic inherent in what they say. But it's a very, very interesting twist on things. So soul healing really is the essence of orthodox spiritual practice, the reason why we're here. I don't need to tell you that we're in the midst of something that needs healing, and that is the pandemic. It's new to us, even though there was another one just a hundred years ago, which wasn't very long. And if you consider some of the epidemics that have occurred in history, uh, had there been the avenues of transportation like we have now, the whole world might have been affected by pandemics as we understand it, even earlier than just a hundred years ago. It's new to us, this situation, and it's frightening, and it threatens us, and it limits us, and it ties us down and keeps us from doing all the things we need to do. But we don't realize that we've always been in a pandemic. Always. It's called sin. Everyone is infected. Everyone has been exposed and infected. All of us. The symptoms... They come in two forms, and these are only a few. This is not inclusive or exhaustive by any means. If you want that, I would recommend you look at the, the self-examination in the St. Ambrose prayer book for an example of how, how uh, pervasive this sickness is. But there are the subtle things, or the obvious things like hate, violence, war, crime. That's obvious. But then there are the more subtle things like egocentricity, self-indulgence, materialism, 
Functional atheism, if you want to know what that is. That's when one believes in God, that there's a God, but lives as if he has nothing to do with our lives and we don't need to pay any attention to him. Functional atheism. It is, for all practical purposes, a form of atheism. Although the people who hold to it, and it could be all of us in some level, probably is, it's nature, part of the nature of the sickness, uh, it, it will say that, or will deny that we, we're atheists, and yet we can live as if we are. And lastly, idolatry, that is trying to have God in our own image. God is not going to be manipulated by us. So when we come to him as we do here, leaving the world and coming to this place where God manifests himself, we are willingly conceding that we will accept him as he reveals himself to us, as he already has. And we lay aside our idols and all of our preconceived notions and we leave them at the door. And we come here open for the healing of our souls and the healing of our understanding. It's easy to misunderstand the nature of the church as being somehow a haven for saints and only the saintly people get to come here. That would be nice, wouldn't it, if that were true of us, that only the saintly get to be here. But it's not the case. In fact, as we were driving over here from McKinney, my wife and son were making fun of me, uh, which, you know, family knows better than anybody how unsaintly any of us can be. <laughs> they know. They still love us, which is certainly an example of God's love. He loves us in spite of us, in spite of the sickness. So this place is a hospital for sinners. We come here to get healed. Not, not to show off our, our skills and, and our abilities and our accomplishments, but to be healed. So the greatest person or the smallest person is the same, sick in need of God's healing. So we come here to be treated, to receive therapy, to receive, as Blockus calls it, psychotherapy, the healing or the therapy or the treatment of the soul. That's why we come. Today's epistle offers us some suggestions to take with us that bring about healing or that are conducive to the healing of the human soul. We might want to see, think of the commandments of God, not as things that God imposes upon us in order to oppress us, but in order to bring us healing, to heal our souls. The things that he sets out today are these. And it's very interesting the way he does this. He gives us three sets of diptychs, or doubles, or doublets, if you want to use that term. That is, the same thing said twice. It was a, was a Hebrew uh, device for liter literature found frequently in the Psalms and, and, and the Prophets. So he says, not the first one, become other-oriented. Remember what Christ said, do unto others as we'd have others do unto you. Become other-oriented. He says it in two different ways. So one way said twice. Uh, some ways in which this can be done, marriage. <laughs> if one has to have a marriage that survives, it has to become other-oriented. Father Zacharias says that, we, that in marriage, a couple should strive to outdo one another in obedience and selflessness. Wow. But what do we do? In our sickness, we do the opposite. It's all about me, and if you don't concede to me, then it's not going to work. I guess this just didn't work out after all. Often we hear that in the Hollywood movies. It just didn't work out. Why not? Because there's a sickness present. Didn't do anything to get it healed. Become other-oriented. What about parenting? Those of you who are parents, you have to become oriented, other oriented with the kids. They need our undivided attention. They need our focus. 
rather than, I, this drives me nuts, but it's, it's also a mirror, so we really have to, well, we have to see these things as mirrors. But you go to restaurants, and families are in the restaurants, and the mom and the dad are on their phones, and the kids are just sitting there, or the kids are on their phones too, and nobody's talking to one another, and no one's paying attention to one another. That's a recipe for disaster. It really is. And that's a part of the pandemic of sin. It's sin and selfishness and self-absorption that causes this to happen. Now, I'm not saying don't pick up your phone in the middle of the restaurant. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be careful. Be other-oriented. Practice humility is the second one that he offers. That is, knowing who we are. What does it say in that prayer, the confessional prayer? Sinners of whom I am chief. St. Paul said that. St. Paul was a great saint, and he said that. Uh, Father Zacharias is not sainted, but he probably will be if I'm not. If I would, and I would be surprised if he wasn't at some point in time. Uh, but he would say that he is, he says, the way he puts it, I am stupid. This is a godly man who says, I am stupid. Uh, I, I was very humbled in hearing that. But if you're stupid, boy, who knows how to describe me? <laughs> So practice humility, that is, come to understand ourselves as we really are. It's okay. When we come here, we come here with that frame of reference. It's okay. God knows. God's not fooled. So when we come in here thinking we're somehow, we had arrived. The only people we're fooling are ourselves. Everybody else in the place knows just as well, just like family members. Everybody knows that we're sick. There are two ways in which this can be done. One is through the self-examination. I, I bring this up a lot. I have in past sermons. That self-examination in the St. Ambrose prayer book is outstanding. It has been for years, and I have recommended it for years. But you, one can be overwhelmed. One, most of us are not, we're not aware of how low we have come in the sickness. We're not aware. And when we read this, we see it, we're overwhelmed. Sometimes you can't even deal with it it's so much. And I tell people, when you come to that point, just stop. You've had enough for now. There will be a time when you'll be able to see it all. But just take what you can. But we do need to know. And there has to be an admission of our measure. You know, we all need to know what our limitations are. Not as excuses, but as starting points. What can we do and what can we not do? I remember years ago, I was always intimidated by Baptists who knew where everything was in the Bible. And I thought, I need to know that. But I just couldn't. I'm not geared toward remembering things like that. So I have to read it again and again and again and again and again. And maybe a couple of pieces stick with me. So what, what I, I cannot tell you most, where most Bible verses are, but I can tell you what it looks like on the page and where in the Bible it might fall. So I can usually find it with a little looking. That's about the best I'm ever going to be able to hope for. That's my measure. It's a starting point. And I have to start from there, rather than say, oh, well, that's all I can do. I'm not going to do anymore. <laughs> it's just where I have to start in order to be treated. That is a part of my humility. Patience. All of this takes time. So we have to do it patiently. We are not coming here and getting a dose of the body and blood of Christ and suddenly we have arrived and we're going to waltz out of here holy and perfect and sinless and everybody's going to see the halo glowing out of us. You know? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. We're going to walk out of here and five minutes down the road, 
have a temper tantrum over some other driver, or the kid's screaming, or the spouse is making us mad, or whatever. So we need to practice patience, learn patience. Patience brings us to the point of healing. And then the St. Paul has four single statements. Learn to forgive. Isn't it interesting in the Our Father that the main petition in there is to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Learn to forgive. To exercise charity. By that he means love, not charity as giving to the poor. That's included in that. But look at 1 Corinthians 13 for the definition of love as it's understood. Exercise love. Do it. Or begin to try to do it. Learn and practice thankfulness. That is to be able to give thanks to God for wherever it is we are, whatever it is we have, whatever it is we don't have. I've found in my life many times things that I've wanted really badly at one point in time in the past uh, just aren't that important anymore. I remember a time having an old, old Volkswagen bug that I jury rigged so many times to keep it going, and I just wanted a new vehicle. So nowadays when I get a new vehicle, I keep it for 15 years. You see, so that doesn't make sense. Uh, but I wanted so long uh, to, to get past that broken down vehicle that I kept jury rigging. So we need to learn to be thankful. Besides that, God works all things together for the good for those who love him in Christ Jesus. So nothing is wasted. Our worst mistakes, our worst sins, the worst manifestations of our sickness of the pandemic of sin can be used by God to heal us if we'll let him. So we can be thankful. Thank God for that. It's not wasted. Those years that I wasted squandering them and roaming around and not living for Christ are not wasted. God uses them to heal me and to restore me and to even show me how much he's healed and restored. And the last one, he says, let peace reign in your hearts. Now, St. Paul wrote this in Greek, but he was a Jew, so he would have been thinking in Hebrew concepts. And peace in Hebrew is shalom, and its root means completeness or wholeness. When you think of peace, you have to think of those terms, completeness or wholeness. The goal of healing is wholeness. Let peace reign in your hearts. Now, here's an aside which is very interesting in this text for today. He uses three doublets which equals four statements. <clears throat> no, three doublets, and he has four statements, which is the total of seven, three and four, or seven, the Jewish number for wholeness. If you break the doublets in, out into single statements, you have six, plus you have the four extra ones, and that's 10. In our society, 10 is the number of perfection. That's what I mentioned in past week's numerology is a type of the spiritual life, and that's what, one of the examples of it. So subtly woven into the context for today uh, are those notions. We are all sinners in need of bad, I mean, serious therapy. There's, we heard in the gospel today the story of the weeds among the wheat. An enemy has done this. Where did this happen? How did this happen? An enemy has done this. And we are the, we include in ourselves, we are the wheat, and yet we are also the weeds. We include in ourselves the weeds among the wheat. The church has its own therapy, tested through the centuries and proven. Father Zacharias says that Christianity, the disciplines of the Christian spiritual life are like a hard science. They can be tested. 
but most Christians don't ever test them. They just assume that society knows what is right and the church doesn't know anything and therefore we make it up as we go along. And where does everybody get? You know, it strikes me as interesting that the heroes on TV are always the, the guys with, who are afraid of emotions and they're creating, they start creating women the same way. Uh, the guys who have no emotions, they have serious psychological issues which are unresolved, always unresolved. They have no knowledge of God or the concept of God, or at least if they believe that there is a God out there, they are more like agnostics that cannot know him. That's the image of a hero according to Hollywood. But that's not for us. It shouldn't be that way for us. What we have to say has been tested and proven if we will submit to the therapy. So always remember when you come here why we are here. It's to become whole and receive treatment from the great physician. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.